Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. A wet and windy May fills the barn with corn and hay is an age-old saying that farmers use, especially during a wet May. However, this wet period also brings a higher level of risk from foliar disease in crops, and this can certainly impact on yield later on in the season. So today I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Stephen Kilday of Chagas to chat about how disease control has gone through the season and is there anything to worry about all the way through to the end of the season. Stephen, I just first want to chat to you about maybe a recap on the season all the way up into May and how disease levels have progressed through crops. Before we even get started into that, we have to look at the weather conditions and the, the climatic conditions that have prevailed over the, I suppose, from autumn through to winter into spring. And this year, in terms of the growing season, has been sort of a, a very mild, almost benign sort of weather conditions. And these have been ideal for the various different diseases that we have to tackle. Um, so taking that into account, then we also look at the, the sowing dates um, and, and I suppose the varieties that would go into the ground. And they've all sort of exacerbated to a certain extent what the weather has been doing because look, some conditions in, I suppose, the back end there last year were very good. So a lot of crops went into the ground very early. Um, and then I, I suppose when we look at the varieties that we have, unfortunately, a lot of them are, have some susceptibility to some disease. So we, we almost were starting in sort of a conditions that, look, we could expect quite a few diseases to develop. And... Um, and with that, then we can go through the various different crops and the diseases that we would expect to see, we, we've seen um, to a certain extent. Um, and I suppose the first ones that would start to spring to mind straight away in, in, in barley will be BYDV. Um, and I suppose early sowing crops down along the coast started to show the typical symptoms of BYDV in late spring. Um, and, and I suppose that's just reflection sowing dates and the mild winter that we had there also. But but Stephen, in terms of foliar disease for the likes of winter barley, I mean, growers would probably tell tell us this year that um, God, it's been a very easy year. There hasn't really been any great problems and, and they got all the way to the end uh, with pretty much very clean crops. Would that be the case? And it is it is the case, actually, when we go into, I suppose, a lot of the commercially treated crops, um, they are actually very, very clean. Um, and I suppose we can we can look at them and start to say, OK, from non-treated perspective, and we have the ability to do that in our trials here in Oak Park and on the different sites we have. And we can see that actually there's quite a bit of disease there in the untreated. Um, so basically, it is a case that actually, yeah, treated are looking well. Um, and where I suppose programs and sort of measures have been in place to manage those diseases, we have been able to get on top of them. Um, where they've been allowed to develop. And I think sort of like, again, it comes back to the conditions and the variety, et cetera. I think of say something like cassia that we would have a lot of trials on here. It's very easy to find a lot of rhynchosporium, even up onto the leaf two and onto the flag leaf at this stage. And we're only starting to enter a grain fill in there. I suppose the one, one disease that would have been fairly prevalent early on, given um, in, in barley, I suppose, the, the conditions that we had over the winter month is mildew. Uh, and this is one that we go into crops now on, it's fairly, it's it's relatively difficult to find a mildew now at this stage. Stephen, in, in, in winter barley, though, though you'd see kind of coming and going as this Leptorian nodorum. Um, did I hear a little bit of that kind of turning up over the last few weeks? Indeed, yeah. Again, that comes down probably to variety aspect. A big, a big component of it will be variety. But it is one that, look, it, it has been around for quite some years. Um, we've always picked up a small amount of it. But there maybe there is a little bit more this year. 
But again, is that probably reflecting on the conditions that we've had in springtime? It is there, again, getting into control programs. We have a good idea of what sort of chemistry will be working very effectively against it and, and where it is timed rightly. It is, it is providing some very, very good control. I would imagine the, the majority of, or we would hope, I suppose, maybe all of the winter barley's uh, fungicide program or disease control program is finished at this stage. If a farmer has seen a bit of nodorum down in the crop, should the farmer get excited about it and go back at that again? Or is it just something to note rather than anything else? I think at this stage, it's something to note, being honest. Um, you would look. At, I wouldn't be surprised if you're seeing things low down in the crop, be that nodorum, be that rhinosporium, etc., um, you'd expect to see something down there. If it is creeping upwards, then look, it is a case. Will it even be stopped with chemistry now at this stage? Like how how good will that penetration of a fungicide even be down into that lower sort of uh, canopy? Anyway, is, is the question. And again, it comes back to even the discussion that uh, Ramularia would have, and and that's one that we 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 do start to see developing in the in the trials and the untreated. We do know that Ramularia is definitely there, and I suppose given the conditions that we've had over the last couple of weeks, it's one that I would expect to come true definitely in trials. And potentially where I suppose timings and things like that have gone have gone amiss in terms of of the uh, in fungicide applications, but it's really about actually understanding okay what what are we trying to do in barley uh, and it comes back to the discussion about timings and what we're trying to do is trying to maximise yield and we know yield is not just solely about being able to fill those grains at the very end we have to have those grains at the very start, um, and there's a probably a period after I suppose uh, flowering is really what's critical to winter barley. And after a certain point, look, disease will come in. It's inevitable that Ramularia will probably come in towards the end of the season, but its impact hopefully will be relatively small. Um, and we'd like to make sure, we'd like to see that a lot of that grain filling or a lot of that photosynthesis that will occur in the next couple of weeks will be able to fill those grains. I've often heard you talk, talking, Stephen, about Ramularia and its um, propensity to come into crops when the crop has been stressed at some stage or other. And, and, and with the same breath, um, everything is stressed as far as they can make out in winter barley, whether it's sunny, whether it's cold, whether it's too dry, too wet, whatever. What, what's your assessment this year on Ramelier, what you've seen coming through trials for winter barley? Is there more or less than other years or is it a bit early yet? No, I in the trials just walking them yesterday, we can start to see Ramularia is starting to bubble up in those untreated plots or even in plots that I suppose have had fungicides that aren't providing a good control. So it definitely is there. Now, the whole aspect about the stress, look, yeah, look, growing a crop is going to be stressful on the crop full stop. And one of the major components, of course, is going to be then uh, rainfall and leaf wetness and things like this. And unfortunately, we've had those over the last couple of weeks. So conditions have been, I suppose, maybe not as bad in terms of stress, in terms of hot, cold and things like that. But we've had the other, we've had the rainfall. We've had those events to actually allow that disease to develop. So it would be one that I would expect in the next two weeks, we would start to see some rapid development of Ramularia. Especially, look, if the forecast is to be believed in the next week, we are going to get a bit more sun and a bit higher temperatures that in itself will exacerbate the disease also to a certain extent. Okay. We might switch just a little bit across maybe and, and, and just go to winter wheat just for a second as winter barley's kind of finished, I suppose, for most people, but there's, a, there's still a few actions on winter wheat. Just going back through the early season in winter wheat, yellow rust didn't seem to be the same problem this year as it was other years. Is that down to different weather conditions? Farmers being that bit better? Or is it Simply a case of there was less varieties that were that were as susceptible. I think it's a case of the the, the latter, 
basically there's less varieties or less the varieties are there but there's less areas so to those varieties that are very susceptible and look the one springs to mind is bennington and jb diego and um, look from a yellow rust perspective we have we have trials in oak park we're looking at um looking at different treatments and bennington is in there for that and it's it's like a chessboard looking out you can see that those plots that didn't receive any fungicide treatment those bennington plots are yellow so it's not a case that actually uh, conditions were different it's a I suppose the biggest effect would have been the varieties that are very susceptible were not so into it. Now, that said, raw varieties, Graham has taken a major chunk of, I suppose, the, the wheat acreage, and it has some susceptibility, but it's just not that super susceptible, such as Bennington. So, it's a, so it's a, I suppose it's a constant case of, of uh, farmers being aware of maybe the new varieties they're going to bring on farm to, to ensure that that level of resistance is inbuilt into the variety rather than trying to rely on chemistry to control it thereafter. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, look, it's a case that if, if a variety has a known extremely weak sort of uh, susceptibility to the LROS, then it is a no. Um, it's a case on, look, there will be varieties that come out that are very resistant but unfortunately we do know populations and pathogens can evolve so it's inevitable that some of these may break down but if we're if we're actually starting knowing that we're going in with this very susceptible variety if we're taking that risk and saying we're going to have to go with all this chemistry that's a risk for me that would be too far okay i think growers would probably agree that this year has been pretty good in terms of the weather that allowed the correct timings of some of the major fungicides that the, the the leaf three and the flagly fungicides and with the result is, is this being or is this coming out if you like in your trials Stephen in terms of just relatively low disease pressure in terms of, of septoria there or, or am I mistaken in that? I think it, it is a case of again looking at the variety uh, and <clears throat> we really have two big varieties in, in the market at the moment and Graham is the biggest if it takes the, big, the most area that has a rate enough six uh, for septoria and that is showing itself because we can compare that with Costello in our trials in Oak Park, which is regarded, I suppose, as a, a medium pressure site, um, where we're actually seeing septoria up on flag leaves of Costello in some plots of the untreated, I should say, where Graham, we might, we're struggling to see it on that leaf too. So that aspect of resistance is being built into the system. And, and that is a really important component. Um, timings are only as good as, I suppose, at the aspect of actually the variety. And so we need to be working with the variety to get those timings and, and exacerbate the effect that we might get from those timings. And, and to put this in context, I mean, in terms of when we look at that aspect of having the disease, say, whether it's on very low levels on leaf two compared to um, a, a variety that has it on the flag leaf, that can be worked back in terms of even when we're talking about that leaf tree application and things like that. We could expect in Costello that that disease would have been a little bit higher. We would have been putting that leaf tree application under a little bit more pressure, a bit more sort of relying on it a little bit more than we would have, say, in the Graham. And that will have a knock-on consequence for the amount of disease that would be bubbling away there. And look, the timings, in a lot of situations, you might think the timings have been right. But I think what we saw between that leaf tree and flag leaf was extremely rapid growth. Um, and, and that, I suppose, might have caught a few people out in terms of, look, the flag leaf was out um, and it hasn't been ideal conditions in some places to get those flag leaf sprays applied. Um, it has been quite windy. There's been quite broken weather, quite sherry. So it is about actually looking, making sure that that, that is timed as close as, uh, as perfect as right. And 
the built-in sort of aspect of resistance that we would have that little bit in Graham, a bit more than we would have in Costello, will have an impact. Now, when I say there's a bit more in Graham, look, we would like to have a lot more, being honest, because we do know that coming, uh, it's a long way, a long way to the middle of or to the middle of grain filling. Even sure, it's a it's a it's a long way to harvest. Um, and we do know that, look, the untreated grain, we will we will have a lot of disease come the start of July, I'd expect. And, and Stephen, just to, we'll finish off on the winter wheat, just in terms of maybe the final fungicides. Before I get there, just when you're talking about septoria, in your trials or what you're seeing coming through, or maybe you're seeing more generally, is there not a magic solution necessarily, but is there any sort of step change with some of the varieties that are coming through that will give us a much better septoria or maybe overall disease package um, to, to, to help this disease control? Oh, uh, no doubt. No doubt. There is definitely varieties that are coming through. They're in national lists. They're in recommended list trials that have a much better septoria. Um, and I think that is something that we, we do need. Um, but we know from, I suppose, our, our trials over the last 10, 15 years that I suppose there's two things that, look, even if we have this, we have an improvement in resistance, we still do see a very significant yield response from fungicides. But also, I suppose the last couple of years have demonstrated to us that actually varieties, we need to start thinking about how we can protect varieties. Um, just like we need to think about protecting fungicides from anti-resistance, we need to think about how we protect our varieties from um, virulence breakdown. We've seen some very big cases of actually some varieties that were really, really hopeful. Um, we expected to take them a big chunk of the market and Septoria has broken them before they even got going. So it is something that we have to be aware of that. Yep, there's definitely some good resistance coming. Um, we need to start thinking about how we might protect that. And that is something that we are doing and, and we will be looking at into the next couple of years. Okay. So just on, on the last bit then in winter wheat, just to give you two scenarios and you might maybe answer them as regards this scenario. So uh, we can get into a scenario whereby perhaps we've maybe broken to wet weather around that critical time for putting on the final fungicide around um, you know, early flowering kind of stage being one scenario um, and then the other scenario might be that look it's relatively benign weather it's relatively dry um, not a huge amount of rain around for each of those two different scenarios is there a very different approach or is it still look protect what you have whack on a great big load of fungicide and away we go or is there a little bit more of a, a nuance in that in terms of um, putting more or less on the whole aspect about fusarium is that look we need to be able to protect the the head as it is flowering that's that's its weakness we know that it'll be it won't all flower in one go so we know that from a fusarium perspective that the fungicide is only as effective as the timing so and and we try and maximize that by going at a time where actually most of the crop is actually flowering or as most as possible therefore i suppose we always talk about maybe 50 percent or 60 percent efficacy um, of fusarium control if the conditions are really uh, sort of conducive to fusarium um, so in that sort of scenario, you are trying to maximize it as much as possible. And uh, if you have that broken weather, um, it is about basically trying to get that fungicide on as, as best as is possible. Look, if you have really benign weather, look, I would say, look, it, the risk of fusarium really lowers, you know. Um, and what we are using for fusarium is, is that is all component. It is going to be something like Bizarro, Bizarro type where you have prothioconazole and you have tebiconazole, they are components that we are using elsewhere in the program. So the aspect about just whacking them on um, and sort of only touching fusarium 
it's going to hit every pathogen, every pathogen that we're looking at there. And it could have consequences for resistance into next year. But I am aware, look, in terms of the year that's in it, we are looking at a scenarios where there's a high wheat price and things like that. So it is going to be a case of, look, what I'd say, broken weather. Yeah, it, it's going to be a scenario where you're going to have to try and get out a good rate to go out there. In very benign weather, it is going to be about, OK, what is the risk of fusarium coming in? Um, is it is it fairly low? Being honest, you know, um, I suppose the other aspect as all is discussed about is the impact of septoria at that time. And, and I think, look, it is when we talk about septoria, it's really now in that flag leaf. What happens in that flag leaf is really what's going to be important because we're trying to get control um, up up past in terms of past of that uh, flowering stage. And after that, look, septoria will cycle. Undoubtedly, we'll get some coming in. Um, and But its impact on yield we, we see is relatively low. And equally, what we're putting on for fusarium control, we know that its efficacy against septoria is significantly weakened. So, Stephen, the, the, the differential then, just to, to be clear about the differential between the final fungicide, then is it is 100% in the high situations versus 80% in the lower, or is it 80 versus 60? Where is it? It would be it would be the hundred percent I think in terms of that very high situation that broken weather, but we're trying to maximise the control of the different fusarium species that are going to be there. Um, it is a case then if it is less uh, less broken, a bit more benign, that yeah you can reduce that rate. So just going back to oats um, uh, again, the growers would probably report that God has been relatively easy enough year to control disease so far in in oats. Would that be the experience in trials as well? Um, in the in the trials, look, the, the diseases, the notes that we're really talking about are mildew and, and crown rust. And from a trial perspective, look, we've we've plenty of mildew and the varieties that we are sort of growing um, are very susceptible to mildew. And being honest, there's crown rust. There is crown rust about because of that mild winter and very mild spring and, and May has been exceptionally warm. So there is a bit there. But the chemistry that we're using is quite effective. So it's about getting that chemistry in and getting it on at the right time. Um, and and in most scenarios i think it has done a very good job so on winter oats they're probably the majority of them are either headed out or just about heading out at the moment is that the correct stage for applying the final fungicide or should growers wait a little bit longer to make sure to get really good coverage of the entire head yeah so this is i suppose there's two aspects to this in in terms of what what are we trying to do um, and a lot of a lot of what we're trying to do at this stage is actually to provide foliar disease control um, and maybe also a little bit of that fusarium control. So if we're thinking of it from a foliar disease and we're talking about that mildew and we're talking about rust, which can cycle really rapidly in the type of conditions that we're having at the moment, bit of moisture, bit of heat, um, it is about actually making sure that we're, we're on top of those. Um, so it is, it is almost a complication or a compromise to try and make sure that we're tackling the foliar and maybe getting some fusarium. Now, I think if we leave it till the head is completely fully out and flowering and chase the fusarium, um, we may run into difficulties with um, whether it's mildew or, or that crown rust. So it's really as the head is start is as the head is just about out is really the, the ideal time. So we're trying to capture both as much as possible and um, really probably tipping on the side of the foliar disease more than on, on the fusarium. And does the same stand for winter and spring oats? It, it, it would be an honest. In terms of the winter, you might have an, an extra application earlier on because the, 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 I suppose the duration between, I suppose, the, before you get into that stem extension will be uh, longer than it would be in, in, in the spring oats. So maybe uh, finally then we'll, we'll touch maybe back on spring barley because obviously it's a very big crop and 
look, the majority of, of, of spring barley varieties, they're all, uh, I suppose, aimed towards the malting market. Um, whether to make it or not is a different thing, but they have a potential to go there. So fairly well dominated by the likes of Planet, I suppose, out there um, and a number of others. What's the story this year in terms of diseases coming through? Is it high so far or lower? What, what way do you think it is? So the one thing about the spring barley is that previously we would have probably always talked about maybe mildew as a, a major concern in spring barley. Recommended list gives us a very high rating um, for spring barley for mildew. And that has come true that actually, look, we can be confident and say that mildew is not a concern in these guys. Um, a lot of them. And that's because they're based on genetic resistance, based on what's called an MLO. In the other diseases, then, again, it comes back to actually the recommended list has given us that information and we can start to see that coming through in terms of, of the trials. So one that would be, I suppose, a little bit about would be net blotch. Um, and especially, I suppose, given the weather conditions, it would be one that I might see or you might think would increase a little bit more uh, over the coming weeks, potentially. Um, and again, Rinko is also there in the background. So it's really at the moment, it is really those two diseases there. They are definitely bits about um, and, and I suppose planet being slightly more susceptible to net blotch um, it would be one that would be concerned about or, or maybe not concerned about but keeping an eye on um, especially at, at that first application when we get through to the second application it is going to be a case of actually looking for again the, the susceptibility that might be in the in the variety planet net blotch um, if there's susceptibility to, to rinkosporium and also of course look ramularia Ramularia would be the one that could come in very quickly. Again, it will depend on the conditions uh, from now through to maybe um, the middle or latter half of June. Um, but they will. it would be one that would, I suppose, we should be looking at and, and thinking about. So with the net blotch you talk about, is there any chance that that can reappear or pop back up later in the season, especially if it's a little bit wet, and be of concern to growers? Absolutely. Um, most definitely I think it's a case look we know that within the spring barley the first application if we if we have disease bubbling away there and we allow it to develop it can cause a significant yield hit straight away even if we do come back in with a second application Um, but likewise that if we if we if we get very good control early on it doesn't mean that it won't come back in it will very much depend on what happens over the next few weeks whether it'll come back in um, and it, it, it is one that does need to be looked at and, and sort of treated in accordance to what's happening in the field and the weather conditions that are going to be prevailing. And Stephen, maybe finally, the, 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 uh, I suppose it's very well accepted that the final fungicide is going to contain a mix of various different actives, um, the, the likes of fall pit plus something, whether it's a, an azole plus a, an STHI or a, a straw or, or a QII. So we know that's going to go in there, but... I think what's probably a little bit more confusing maybe, or maybe there's, there's, there's mixed messages out in the industry, it's in terms of the timing of that last fungicide. There still appears to be a lot of growers, perhaps encouraged maybe more so, but, but, but the practice would certainly suggest that they are applying that final fungicide when the heads are fully out. But that runs contrary to what you've been saying, what we've been saying in Chagas for the last I don't know, the guts of six or seven years, I suppose, at least now. Why should people go that little bit earlier? 
I suppose when when I suppose the advice that we're coming out with is coming from two sort of streams. It's coming from the fungicide sort of timing work that we would have conducted uh, back maybe four or five years ago, where we have all the different combinations of timings, uh, and that would show the yield. But also the second stream is actually coming then from uh, some research work, physiologically looking at actually why what's happening how is barley creating the yield and those two combined basically say that actually look we need to make sure that we protect those tillers early on and try and maximize the potential grain sites and then it is about the grain filling um, but we know that actually the barley crop will create a, probably enough uh, photosynthesis basically enough sugars and things like that within a short enough period after flowering that actually after a certain point i can't say exactly what that point will be but after a certain point Actually, if disease comes in, if we start to lose those leaves, their impact on yield is relatively small. Now, that sort of you can work it way back then and sort of say, OK, well, how do we protect those? It's about making sure that we have those timings correct to actually when we need that green leaf. So that last timing, for example, if we're leaving that run into the head is fully out, that will give us okay a point from that head fully out onwards for disease control. But we know the big disease that we're tackling now is Rambularia. And we know that actually that will start to, start to be starting to develop shortly after flowering because that flowering is a, a huge sort of pressure. But it will have been in the crop before that. So what we're trying to do is actually hit it that little bit earlier, which will basically make sure that actually when that crop hits that huge stress event that will be that flowering, that actually we've got that protection has already been uh, built in, if you know what I mean, from that sort of time. And that's why we would be going that little bit earlier in terms well, of come down beyond the grass tax, Steve, and you, and, you, and you think about that, what's the yield differential that have been measured in trials in comparison to going very late, as we would call it, with, with head fully out versus going at the timings that you're recommending, which is the pain brush stage or, or, or as the heads are just emerging. What's, what's the differential in terms of yield? So this will all depend on the season that's going to be there, being honest. Um, if you have a really ramularia conducive season, look, you will get some control of ramularia later that, when you go that late when the head is fully out. However, it's not ideal and you run the risk of actually ramularia coming in and causing significant damage. To give a, a, an absolute yield would be would be very difficult. We, we can say exactly what ramularia, if we don't do anything, we'll give, and that could be up to a tonne and a half. So if you're allowing it to come in that little bit earlier, there definitely is some component, some part of that ton and a half that we, you will lose. Now, how much that will be will, of course, depend on that season. But it's really about that aspect of actually, look, if we think about it in terms of that flowering, that big stress, that's when Ramularia will be running riot. We want to be making sure that actually that Ramularia doesn't have a chance to get to that point. We run through the crop reports and various other different things. We have some trials from yourselves that is, is down at 0.4 of a ton. So yeah. look, it, it's it's if we can manage to maybe nail it to something like that, that we have a trial as 0.4 of a ton, which is the guts of 130 euros a hectare. That's the type of money differential you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And that that if you take those trials, Michael, as I say, there will be an amalgamation of different trials over a number of different years. Some of those individual trials that might be greater. Yeah, so look, it's 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 something that's all to be played for certainly out there at the moment in in, in fields. And um, look, it's there certainly is two aspects to it as far as listening to you, Stephen. Today is um, getting the timings right is certainly one thing, but choice of products uh, or choice of actives, I should say, rather than products, are are, are still very important. Um, but I suppose the, the the other maybe major thing, I suppose, between here and maybe next season even, because we always do have to be looking forward, is to um, pick your varieties and, 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 and pick what you're going to put in the field because that will dictate what happens 
later on in the season. That's exactly what I was going to say, Michael. I think that is a critical component. And my advice would be over the next couple of weeks is to actually go and see what, what how successful your programme has been this year in your own crops. But if you can get into trials that are looking at varieties um, and seeing what's in your local area, trials that might be in your local area that have different varieties and getting a feel for what might be there is very important because that is a decision that's going to come very fast um, and it is a, it is it has a, a big implication for the following season great Stephen thanks very much always a pleasure to have you on the, on the, on the podcast um, and look we'll chat to you shortly again perfect so that's all we've time for and my thanks to Stephen for joining me today in the podcast Chagas are running a series of walks in both Chagas Boromol joint programme but also the Enable Conservation Tillage Project over the next number of weeks these farm walks will go across a number of the focus farms across Ireland, from Loud to Kildare. The first walk will start on Wednesday, June the 1st in Garrett Culligan's in Stabannon, County Loud. These walks will look at the conversion process from ploughing into non-plough based establishment systems, but really will also look at the grass weeds that are a problem on many of these farms and how to control these grass weeds. For more information on all of these walks, go to chagas.ie forward slash tillage month. So finally, don't forget if you enjoyed this podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.